Amen. If you have your Bibles this evening, and I hope that you do, if you'd find the 23rd chapter of the book of Matthew, uh, we have been uh, trudging along uh, through the book working on a series called Do You Looking at Jesus's looked at uh, Jesus conflict with the Sadducees After all that has been going on we finally come to really the uh, the pivotal moment uh, this is really as about as strong and as difficult as a conversation you can have. And Jesus just officially says, these are my accusations against you. And all of us have been in situations, whether it was in a court setting or at work, or whether someone was just angry at you, that you've either accused someone of something or you have been accused of something. But tonight, what is so different about this is Jesus is not only the accuser, but he is the judge. You see, Jesus knew the heart. And so when Jesus is making these statements, it's not an accusation like you and I would make. It is a God who knows the heart and the motive and the intent. I have had the honor of being a part of three funerals this week. And um, at each one of those funerals, it always reminds me that um, unless the Lord tarries, it will be me. Uh, it will be you. And I really, when I do funerals and I'm a part of funerals, it really gets you thinking about, one of these days I'm going to stand before the Lord. And even though I know I'm forgiven, even though I know the blood of Jesus Christ covers me, I have a tendency to sometimes think back and think, oh man. I really am glad I'm not going to have to answer for that. Or I'm really glad that God has forgiven and forgotten that. This afternoon, as uh, the funeral was over in the graveside, uh, two of the family members and I were very, very close. And uh, we were very, very close at a time in our life where we were not close to the Lord. And anytime you get around people that you used to be close to and you used to live a different lifestyle, it is inevitable that something embarrassing is going to come up. Even if you don't want it to, even if you don't mean it to, in the conversation that happens, something comes up. And as that conversation was happening and I was standing there, I just began to put my head down farther and farther and farther and farther and thought if I could sneak out into the back fence at the cemetery, I would. And I just constantly was reminded of, man, I am so glad that when I stand before God, that is covered. But friends, I want you to know tonight that, friends, there are a group of people that will stand before God someday thinking it is all going to be covered, and it will not be. And friends, that will not come from just the people sitting in taverns. That will not just be the people marching in gay pride parades. It won't just be those people that you think are working at an abortion clinic. Many of them will have spent their lives on a church pew, in a church chair. And tonight as Jesus calls out hypocrisy, He lists the specific accusations. And while I want us to look at them in the context of the religious leaders of today, I'm going to make us very uncomfortable tonight 
because we are going to look at what they look like in the modern church. From time to time, I get called a legalist and a Pharisee because I believe things like Christians should not drink. I believe there is biblical evidence for that. But I also stole a study this week from CNN, the basin of Christian news, right? The basis of conservative beliefs that said a new study has shown that there are zero health benefits. Not one health benefit. Not blood pressure, not not anything for someone under 40 years old to consume alcohol. The Communist News Network put that out. Not CBN or TBN or whatever other synonym there is. That is a secular news article that affirms God's word and his teaching. I've been called from time to time a Pharisee and a legalist believing that you should be with God's people on Sunday night. Even though the Bible says the closer we get to the returning of the Lord, we should meet more often, not less. And so sometimes these things that are called and used to call someone a hypocrite or a Pharisee or a legalist, that's a twisting of the Scripture. What makes you a Pharisee or a Sadducee or a hypocrite is if you believe that the church should have Sunday night services, but yet you will not come. What makes you a hypocrite is if you believe and and vote to affirm that I believe we ought to have church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, but I don't think I should be there. You see, hypocrisy is when you say one thing but live another. And so tonight as we look at these woes that Jesus calls them tonight, my prayer is for you and I to allow God to evaluate our heart. Could it be uncomfortable tonight? Absolutely. Could it be something that angers us tonight? Absolutely. But friends, I have preached long enough to know that when I don't think that I want to preach something, it is exactly what God once preached. This morning as I stood in the lobby... After preaching the shortest sermon of my life, uh, I thought, boy, that was a real flop. Man, that was about as bad as it can be. And some of you are thinking, amen, preacher. A lady walked up to me in tears and said, Pastor, you have no idea how much I needed that. What's going on in my life? And it's like God has to remind me, Jake, I don't need you to be creative. I don't need you to be smart. I just need you to proclaim what I say. And so tonight, I just pray that you'll remember who wrote this, who put this together, and it was not me. And so tonight, if you would, pray with me, and we will begin. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for this group of people, just how special they are, and Lord, the blessing they are. But God, tonight, no matter how special, no matter how faithful, no matter how committed, God, we can all let a coldness and a hard-hearted attitude slip in. And so tonight, Father, I pray that you would deal with each and every one of us for your glory. And God, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would look here tonight with me, the first thing I want to show you is that hard-hearted people lead others astray. Hard-hearted people lead others astray. Let's look at this in Jesus' day, starting in verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, Hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, 
for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte. And when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourself. You see, Jesus tells them, Woe to you who have led others astray. And I want you to hear this this, morning, this evening because what we see here is marks of true godly people care about the spiritual well-being of other people. You say, Jake, I've got enough problems taking care of my own spiritual walk, let alone others. Well, friends, that might be the case tonight. But your heart should never be one where you are willing to harm someone else in their journey with Jesus. There should never be a time when you are cold, while you are bitter, while you are angry, when there should be something in you that says, I want to drive that person away from God. Or I want to make it harder for that person to come to God. I want to make it harder for that person to know God. I have no desire for them to be right with God. You say, Jake, I cannot imagine that. I cannot comprehend that. Sometimes they don't vote the same way that you do. Sometimes they don't look the same way you do. Sometimes they don't talk the same way you do. There's many, many things. Maybe they used to be married to someone in your family and you have no desire to worship with them. Maybe tonight it's something you work with and, or maybe it's someone you've served with. Maybe it's someone your kids were on the same ball team. But for whatever reason, you want them to come to Jesus just somewhere else. You want them to be growing in their faith, but somewhere else. Sometimes it's not that. Sometimes it is the fact that you don't care if they come to Jesus. They, you just want them to agree with you. You just want them to think the same way you do, feel the same way you do. And what we see in this text is that these individuals were putting all of these restrictions on the believers, but yet Jesus says, you need to know something. You are not saved. You are not going to heaven. You are not right with God. And what you are doing is not only leading yourself astray, you are leading others astray. It goes on in that verse 14 and says that they were taking widows' houses. And what that means is this. They would find wealthy individuals who had lost their husbands. They would find wealthy individuals who did not have any children. And what they would do is they would convince them to leave their fortunes to the temple. To leave it to them. Kind of sounds like what you see on television. When TV preachers are preying on and, and trying to manipulate the little old lady staying at home. The little old guy staying at home. Send me this thousand dollars or send me this five thousand dollars. Jesus says it is unacceptable. He says your prayers... Your long prayers are meant to lead people to view you higher than others. He even says here though in verse 15, and you will go all over the world to reach one proselyte, one Gentile for the Jewish faith. But what you don't realize is you bring them under greater bondage than what they were. Now I don't understand all of how eternity works. I don't know that. But what I do know is hell is a terrible place. But Jesus says, it is worse for you if you are brought into a system of 
legalistic religion, never meet Jesus, but yet are exposed to the truth, than if you never even heard. That's what he says here. So what does that look like today in our own modern day America? Sometimes it looks like this. You know, Gary, I'm just not very happy at 10 Mile. I think maybe me and you, we ought to go up the street. And if you don't care, if you could talk to Jeremy. And Jeremy, if you don't care, you could talk to Larry. And you begin to lead people astray. You begin to take your spiritual baggage and my spiritual baggage, and we begin to affect other people. As a pastor, I have tried very, very hard in my 11 years to never proselyte people from other churches. I will listen when they're unhappy. I will pray with them. I will try to give them advice. I will try to encourage them. But I try not to ever say, well, I tell you where you'd be a really good fit, out here. Because what I have realized is, if you're unhappy there until God changes your heart, until God lets those things be solved, you're not going to be happy here. And so what we see here is a leading people astray. Today you could look at it as religions like the Jehovah Witnesses, the Mormon church, that are dedicated in going door to door, that are dedicated in trying to lead people to a faith in that they believe, but yet they are leading people to a different Jesus. You say, Jake, I can't believe you would say that. It's what the Bible teaches. You cannot get it wrong about Jesus. And so hard-hearted people lead people astray. The second thing I want to show you tonight, as it gets even more uncomfortable in here, hard-hearted people twist God's Word. Hard-hearted people twist God's Word. Look what it says here in verse 16. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind. For which is greater, the gift of the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by it, and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God, and by him who sits on it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. What Jesus is addressing here is in this day and age, the Pharisees, in order to not have to keep their word, they would say, well, we're not going to swear by the temple, but we're going to swear by the things in the temple. We're not going to swear by the God of heaven. We're going to swear by heaven. A very simple translation to this is, let your guess be yes and your no be no. But the Pharisees and Sadducees wanted people to believe them, wanted people to love them. So they would promise anything. They would promise anything they could do to gain people's favor. 
And when they were not able to accumulate that or accomplish that, then they would not feel guilty of breaking their word because they hadn't swore by heaven. Tonight I want you to think about it like this. When you come to Christ, you commit your life to Him. All of it. Every aspect of it. But yet how many times do we watch someone come to Jesus, be sold out for Jesus, be committed to Jesus, but then the things of this world begin to what? Take their attention. Well, it wasn't hard to come to church when my kids were little, but now that they're involved in everything? It used to be easy to read our Bible as a family, but now things have just gotten busy. It used to be easy to be godly at work when I wasn't in charge, but now that I'm in charge, I have to bend the rules to make the company happy. It goes on and on and on in this way. But yet Jesus is saying the person who is right with God lets his yes be yes and his no be no. Sometimes you have to tell people, no, I cannot do this. I cannot accomplish this. I cannot be seven places in one time. But yet our desire to make people love us, our desire to please others, causes us to commit to more than we can. But he goes on here in verse 23, and he starts to talk about tithing. And I get a kick out of this, because a lot of pastors my age will see, see, Jesus says tithing is not matter. It's not what he says here. He literally says, these you ought to have done, in verse... He says you ought to tithe, but recognize money is the most... works and move in our life. You say, well, Jake, well, that's okay. But most Bible out, even the littlest of crops, They had uh, harvested all of these things, and they would have of exactly what it was. They had missed the most important. You see, believers, you should not just want to serve God with your money. Interesting in this passage of Scripture that he calls them blind guides. Blind Saying you have no idea what you are doing. You are taking the Word of God in the Old Testament and you are bending it and twisting it and corrupting it. The greatest danger that the church faced does not come from Springfield and it does not come from the pews. It comes from because even though I tell you to take notes for you that way you can check what I am telling you that it's the word of God. And that 
whatever I told him. I want to be a person of trustworthiness. And every scripture. Leads other people astray. And that's what we see here in this passage of scripture. I got in trouble a couple weeks ago. As you can imagine happens quite regularly. When I said from the death penalty. That there are some crimes in the Bible that it specifically says it is the government's. Some people said, oh, Jake, you can't believe that. The church. It's never the church's job to put someone to death. It's job to punish sin. Oh, Jake, I can't believe you'd say that. I can't believe you'd twist the word of God. Friends, I cannot help it. It's what the Word of God says. Sometimes I'll get in trouble for people that don't like the beliefs that we have about marriage and the sanctity of human life and all of these things. But friends, I want to say this to you tonight, as humbly and as honestly as I can. If the Word of God cannot be preached, and the Word of God cannot be trusted, and the Word of God cannot be stood upon from this pulpit, you are no longer a part of a church. You know all. Third thing tonight I want to show you from this passage of Scripture is hard-hearted people try to hide their wickedness. Hard-hearted people try to hide their wickedness. Starting in verse 25, it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are all like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you were full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus says you've got it all figured out on the outside. You've got it all figured out in your appearances to other people. But there is no life in you. How many of you, when someone is going to be coming over to your house, specifically go to your children and say, I want you to get out all your toys. I want you to dump the trash over. I want you to get every bit of clothing out of your closet and spread it everywhere. That way it's ready when they get here. Nobody, I think about that sometime, hoping people will leave quicker, but just being honest with you. But you wouldn't do that, right? Because as they come, you try to clean, you try to pick up. You've got one room where you've stored every single thing that you own in your house and no one's going in there while they're there. Because why? You want it to appear perfect. That's why you mow your yard and you keep up your flowers and landscaping and all those things because the curb appeal, the drive-by view of what's going on. And friends, that is all right to do with your home. But it's not all right to do with your spiritual walk. And friends, tonight you and I can dress up on Sunday. We can hold hands in the parking lot with our spouses. We can dress our kids in the most beautiful matching dresses. 
and friends still not know Jesus. You could be the member of a church. You can hold every office that the church has to give you. And you can still die and split hell wide open. Fourth and final thing tonight for the sake of time. Hard-hearted people hate the messenger of God. Hard-hearted people hate the messenger of God. Look what it says here in verses 29 through 36. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, if we had lived in the days of our father, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Therefore, you are witness against yourself that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up, then, the measure of your father's guilt. Serpents, vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in the synagogue and persecute from city to city. That on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of the righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. You see, what they were telling Jesus is, we would have never stoned the Old Testament prophets. We would have loved Jeremiah. We would have supported Isaiah. We would have followed Hezekiah. We would have followed. We would have supported. We never would have done the things that our previous generations had done. And tonight, the greatest mark of hypocrisy is saying, I would not commit that sin. I am better than that. Friends, you need to know tonight, the human heart knows no boundary in wickedness. If the Spirit of God is not in control of your heart and your life, there is no sin that you will not dabble with, that you will not deal in. You say, oh no, Jake, there are just some things I would not do. Friends, without Jesus, under the right pressures, under the right pain, you would do it. And what they were saying is we would never hate the messenger of God. Now, I want to be very careful tonight because many times this is very much taken out of context. It's used to support abusive pastors and abusive deacons and all of those things. But friends, it has not changed. When the Word of God is preached, there are people who will say, that's not me. And I don't like that man. I said man there because I believe men are to be pastors. You take that up with me later. starts like this. I don't like the length of the sermon. I don't like the volume of the sermon. I don't like the humor in the sermon. I don't like this. I don't like that. They weren't there to visit me. They weren't there to pray with me. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. And friends, while today we would never murder a messenger of God, the Bible says that hatred is murder. And I've been in church a long time. And I've seen some people that hated their pastor. Hated their pastor. 
And I'm not saying you should always love your pastor because your pastor is a broken mess. But friends, when you get to a point where you hate someone just because of the word of God that is being preached, you're a hypocrite. You have allowed your hard-heartedness and coldness to separate you from God and the blessings of God. And so tonight, my sermon is quite discouraging. It's quite depressing. Only if you're not willing to let God deal with you. You see, Jesus is telling this group of people, these are my accusations against you. And tonight, my request is to you, Ten Mile, are those accusations valid toward us? Because if they are tonight, we can do one of two things. We can repent and seek the Lord. Find forgiveness and hope through Jesus Christ. Or tonight, we can hold on to our sin to our bitterness, to our hypocrisy, and God will judge us accordingly. You see, I'm thankful for all that God is doing. I'm thankful that next Sunday we have baptisms. I'm thankful that God has been saving. thankful that God has been working. If you haven't uh, noticed lately, there's new people every week. If you haven't noticed, we broke ground and on our addition because we have too many people in Sunday school to find a place for all of them. You go back there into the nursery and the children's section and there is children galore. God has been so, so good to us. But friends, I want you to know tonight, the moment that we become like the scribes and the Pharisees, the judgment of God is coming. You say, Jake, that's pretty harsh to say. I would encourage you to get in your car tonight and just begin to drive. And every church you pass, almost all of them will have a story. Do you remember when God was blessing? And then some deacon's wife got mad, did this. Some pastor couldn't stay faithful to his wife. This happened, that happened. And in each one of those moments, God brought judgment and correction to his church. And friends, we are no better than them. And so tonight, do not let it be said of us, it could never happen here. We would never do that. We would never go that direction. Because tonight, I tell you, we all could. I want to ask that you bow your heads with me tonight. I'm going to do this a little bit different. Tonight, if you're here, you're saying, Jake, I'm not a hypocrite because I'm not saved. I've never been born again. I don't understand all of this. Tonight I want to make a simple plea to you that friends, without Jesus, you are lost. Tonight Jesus' accusation to you is not that you're a hypocrite. It's that you're an enemy of God. But tonight, because Jesus loved you so much, He died upon a cross. He took every sin that you would ever commit and carried it to the cross of Calvary that He hung between heaven and earth and took the judgment and wrath of God for your sin. He took that wrath and judgment and it killed Him. His body became a sacrifice for our sin. He was buried in a tomb, dead. But yet three days later arose, conquering sin and death in the grave. And tonight, if you're here and you do not know Him as the Lord and Savior of your life, tonight, if you cannot say, Jake, I have repented of my sins, 
I have called upon the name of the Lord as my Lord and Savior. Tonight, friends, you're lost. But you don't have to be. The Bible says that if you will repent of your sins and call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Whether you're 8, 18, 78, tonight you can be saved. Tonight, church, my challenge to you is to let God search your heart. You say, Jake, I'm not, a, I'm not full out a hip, hypocrite. I'm not, a, I'm not full out cold and hard-hearted. But I see some things in my life that could start to lead me that way. Give them to God tonight. Maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, Jake, I'm just so thankful. I'm so glad for all that God has done for me and I just want to thank Him. Wherever you're at tonight, just do business with God through His Spirit and His convicting power.